Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. All right, folks. 2020 has, to put it mildly, presented some challenges for all of us. You know, the good news, our patrons' numbers are still growing, almost daily. I truly, truly cannot thank all of you enough for your support. It's been overwhelming. And for those of you who've had to reassess your budgets, please know, I totally get it. And I will always be grateful for your belief in this program and the power of great content. Like the NPR of dogdom, Pure Dog Talk is here for you every day to make sense out of everyday things, to add nuance to your understanding and tools to your tack box, to bring history to life and propel the living history of purebred dogs into the future. Our patrons make all of this possible. The funds are specifically designated only for overhead. They literally keep the MP3s rolling. Meanwhile, the patrons-only After Dark Facebook Live and Zoom meetings each month truly have been a fabulous success. Conversation, support, laughter, some education, some mentorship, lots of encouragement, and even, randomly, the occasional adult beverage. So click the link at www.puredogtalk.com and become a patron today. Your small contribution helps make a huge voice for purebred dogs. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and I am super excited. We have some fun, fun information for you guys. This is actually a really big deal. I'm being joined by the legal team, the legal beagles at Good Dog, and we are going to talk about their brand new legal resource center. And dog breeders, dog buyers, everybody listen up. This is actually one of the most amazing resources I have ever seen in my 40 years in dogs that they are compiling here. So we have Kat Matlub, we have Christine Liu, and we have Monica DeBosher. And these are Ivy League educated, top Manhattan legal firm attorneys who are putting together an entire package of legal services for dog people. So I just think this is incredible. So welcome, ladies. Glad to have you here. Thank you so much, Laura. Thank you for such an amazing introduction. We're very excited about it as well. And kudos to you as well for encouraging us to do this and helping us see all the ways that dog breeders can and should be empowered with the law. It is. I'm not lying when I say this is one of the most powerful things that you guys can offer. I think this is incredible. So Kat, let's start with you. Let's talk about what the Legal Resource Center actually entails, kind of highlight some of those pieces, and then Christine and Monica can go through and kind of pick up on their specific areas of emphasis. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. So When we started out at Good Dog, we very quickly realized the kind of need for legal support for dog breeders in a few different areas. And we kind of identified 
five key areas where we can provide real valuable legal support and protection to breeders and help them protect their rights, their dogs, their programs, and all of that. So basically the five key areas are number one, how to protect breeders' legal rights. And that's anything from support if there are ever any issues with animal control or breeders being unfairly targeted or their dogs being targeted. Hope forbid that never happens to anyone. But if that does, we're always here and we have a team who can provide support. Our head of standards, health and research, Judy, actually used to work at the USDA as a science fellow and a kennel inspection expert. So we have experts who can call on our breeders to have and make sure that you are protected. We do a lot of assisting with stolen photos and content that's stolen from breeders. That is an enormous area where the public is continually misled and scammed, and it's contributing to the sort of horrible state of affairs that it is out there for a lot of puppy buyers. So we actually are able to get that content taken down on our breeders' behalf. Now we have less than 24-hour turnaround time, and that is gone. And we basically have direct lines to the hosting companies of all these websites now. And so breeders can come to us anytime, and we're happy to help. Scams across the board, we help provide protection to our breeders if they've been scammed, if they're worried about being scammed. We provide secure payment systems so that no breeders can ever be scammed. We've heard horror stories of some of these unprotected payment methods like Zelle. If the problem is because it's instant transfer, if anyone gets a hold of your phone, they can transfer all of your money to someone else, to their own account. We also help provide protection for things like ongoing rights to a dog. So if it's breeding rights or rights to not have the dog bred or co-ownership rights, how you can protect yourself and make sure that those rights are protected under the law. Assistance with wills and language with wills with respect to making sure that the appropriate measures are taken with your dogs, that you're protected and they're protected. And we also, with respect to protecting legal rights, we do a lot of educating the public in terms of helping them understand why breeders do things and why they shouldn't get upset or unfairly untaxed breeders. Right. Things like non-refundable deposits, helping them with that. Another huge area, second big area for us, is legislation, advocacy, and overreaching regulations. So there's a huge amount here that we could talk about in a separate episode. Right. But fundamentally, what's happening is there are regulations around the country that are overreaching, unfairly kind of pushing breeders out. And so what we do is we provide materials in our legal resource center, letters, statements of fact and advocacy, sort of explaining why regulations are harmful, template letters that can be sent to folks that are breeders in the area and they can go speak at the council. Monica will touch on that as well. And I'll kind of just briefly mention the other three big categories and we'll come back to them. Contract assistance. There's so many contracts in the dog world. So sample contracts annotated with explanations, different provisions, calling out where state law applies, all of that's in our legal resource center. What provisions to include health guarantees, deposit agreements, all of that. Another big key area that we provide support in is mediation services and support, whether it's amongst breeders or club members or breeders and puppy buyers. Having an objective third party there has been enormously helpful in those situations. And then a general category of legal support more broadly with things, questions around regulations and things like that. So I'd love to turn it over to Monica to go back to category 
to the legislation and talk a little bit more specifically about what is in our Legal Resource Center and how it relates to these key areas of support. So Monica, I'd love to turn it over to you for a county example. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you guys, I know you follow the Pure Dog Talk podcast Facebook page. I just (laughs) posted up one of AKC's legislative alerts where they've got a city council meeting coming up in Chicago that is really, really detrimental to hobby breeders. So Monica, I'd love to hear kind of how you guys are working with this process Yeah, definitely. So we sort of got involved with legislation initially through one of our breeders. Sonia Lopez alerted us to some legislation that was being proposed in Cobb County, Georgia. They were trying to make some changes to Cobb County's county code. The proposed changes attempted to sort of place restrictions on breeders. It was forcing them to conduct all of their sales only on the premises where the dogs were actually born and raised, which you know, often breeders' private homes. And Sonia contacted us and we had this really great conversation where she was sort of like, you know, look, many breeders are fine with this. Many breeders will open their homes, but is that really for someone else to tell them that they have to do? You know, I think you know more than anyone that breeders are constantly being harassed under attack just for being breeders. They're victims of cyber bullies. They're being threatened with even physical violence. And so to tell them that they're required to be letting people come into their homes, opening them up to sort of the risk of assault and theft and other crimes, that's just, it's not the way. And we should be letting breeders make those decisions for themselves. So thankfully, those proposed code changes were not passed. Thanks largely, I think, in part to our breeder, Sonia Lopez. We worked with her She presented at a public hearing. She was quoted in newspapers after the fact, and she really felt like she had to stand up for herself and for all of her fellow breeders. And so we helped her distribute educational information about the code changes. So we created some graphics that we shared through social media that sort of really simply presented, here are the actual facts about the legislation. Here is how it's actually going to work in practice. And here is how it's going to push out the good forces in the dog world. So really to try to mobilize the effort, get other breeders involved and educate the public. We also worked with Sonia to write a letter to the county commissioner's office, sort of explaining we are lucky enough to have access to a lot of canine experts to the latest research. And here's why this legislation is misguided. Here's why it doesn't work. And here's why it's not going to have the effect that you think it will have. So, you know, we were really happy to be involved with her in that effort. And, you know, I think overall, we're really lucky that we have such an engaged community of breeders and they're willing to sort of mobilize and fight for themselves, for each other. They really are the experts when it comes to dogs. They have so much valuable information to share. And I think they know that they are the good sources in the dog world. They deserve support. They deserve protection. So if we here at Good Dog can even help to mobilize that effort just a little bit, I think that that will be a success for us. So we're planning to have sample letters in our center that people can use to contact their legislators. We'll have petitions that people can download and use to gather support for their community and shareable images for social media that, again, really break down the facts in a simple way to talk about what this legislation does, how it will affect the good sources in the dog world, and why we should be fighting against that. 
And I think something else that's really central to our mission overall is educating the public. And this is a big place where we'd like to do that. So educating the public about why, no matter the intentions that seem to be behind a bill or the emotional pull that might accompany these kinds of proposals, why it's important to really look at the facts and think about the true effects that these proposals will have and why it's important to support the responsible breeders instead of pushing them out with this kind of legislation. And so, you know, if we can help to do that and really educate the public about these issues, hopefully, in my mind, they will at some point be joining our breeders and saying, this legislation is not helpful. This legislation is going to push out the good forces in the dog world. And this is not the way to make a better world for our dogs. I think that that is so important. And I think one of the points, Monica, that you hit on when we're talking to breeders is something that other folks have mentioned along the way from AKC Legislative, from Patty Strand at National Animal Interest Alliance. Right. We are subject matter experts as dog breeders. Yes. And I think that you really hit on that. And that is so important. And making those connections with local government to help them understand that if they have a question about dog breeding, they should probably ask a dog breeder. Exactly. Exactly. That's the most frustrating part that they write this legislation and who are they consulting? And so, yes, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. Embark is a proud sponsor of Pure Dog Talk. DNA testing is rapidly growing amongst breeders. And given the importance of these test results to the health of not only each dog, but also that of future generations of dogs. At Embark, they believe it's critical to provide transparency in their testing methods that result in more than 99.99% accuracy for health tests. Embark's innovative testing platform enables the hundreds of genetic health and traits test results provided in Embark's products, while also creating research-ready data for use by canine health organizations and scientists. Embark's methods exceed industry quality control standards by also checking the breed, sex, and relatives of every sample to ensure DNA samples are correctly labeled and unique identity is recorded. In addition to quality control, this helps fraud prevention by ensuring the same dog can't be tested multiple times without Embark knowing. At Embark, They're proud of their world-class canine DNA testing service, and they're committed to continually raising the bar. They're on a mission to provide breeders and all dog owners with the high level of accuracy they need to optimize their breeding programs, manage the lifetime care of their dogs, and improve the health of future generations of dogs. Haven't used Embark yet? Get your first Embark for Breeders dog DNA test for $99 right now. You use the code TRYEMBARK99 at EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders. That's TRYEMBARK99 at EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders. So... 
Christine, you are the contract assistant specialist, I understand. (laughs) (laughs) I like to think that we're all specialists leveraging our legal backgrounds, but I'm always happy to jump in and help there. (laughs) What a lawyerly answer, Christine. (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) Nailed it. She is such a lawyer. Good job. (laughs) Did you go to Harvard, Christine? (laughs) We can tell you went to Harvard. (laughs) I would love to tell you a little bit about how we're helping with contracts for our breeders because much like the advocacy and the legislative updates, we really were hearing from our breeders where there's a lot of questions and issues and areas relating to contracts that are really important to our breeders and their breeding programs. And we luckily just have this team of lawyers and our skill sets that we wanted to unite and be able to help our breeding community. And so being lawyers, we know that contracts are time consuming, they're messy, they get really complicated. And so what we wanted to do was take our minds and work with our breeder community to make contracts accessible and easy and empower our breeders so that they can use the law in an effective way and not have it be something that's distracting them from what's really important, which are their breeding programs, their dogs, and the health of their dog. Christine, I'd like you to speak to this. One of the things that I find is finding that balance between protecting the buyer, protecting the breeder, protecting the dog, which is really the most important piece, and not having a buyer come and get a 10-page contract and go, are you kidding me? <laughs> right? So how do we strike that balance and some of the tools that you guys have been working on? Absolutely. And so I think one important thing to point out is that we realize that there's not a one contract fits all situation. People have unique breeding programs, unique relationships. And so what we've tried to do is just provide examples and explanations. And so what we're starting out with are sample dog contracts that our breeder community can use and they're annotated throughout with explanations, different provisions they can use to fit their situations. And also as Kat and Monica were mentioning, educating the public is just so important to us. So a lot of the topics that come up in contracts are ones that breeders can just explain to their buyers and leverage some of the articles that we've written on those contracts. So I think Non-refundable deposits is a great example. We have a draft um, non-refundable deposit sample contract that our breeders can use, but we also encourage them to share our article about why non-refundable deposits exist in the breeding world. And we find that it actually is easier for them to present that to the buyer and the buyer can say, okay, I get it. This all makes sense to me. We know what you're putting into your breeding programs and we just want to help package that message. So it's helpful and really just a resource for our good breeders to use. Kat, you and I have had this particular conversation. I think this is probably where you were going anyway, that the ability to translate from dog breeder to dog buyer is something that good dog is making a real feature, (laughs) a real perk. And that is something that I have found very, very valuable. And I think what's cool about contracts, contracts seem scary and it's like, I don't want to ask for too much. Are they going to react badly? But how we want dog breeders to view contracts is they're an incredible tool for expectation setting, for communication, and for truly setting up your relationship with your puppy buyer to be an amazing one where you both know what each other's priorities are. You understand why 
you understand what each of your obligations are, you're fully on the same page, and you know that you're agreeing to the same thing when you agree to it. Because so many problems that come up are contracts are because one person assumed that a sentence meant one thing and another assumed it meant another. So that's really the key to this is it's, it's empowering you to use this to protect yourself, to communicate to your puppy buyers that you're protecting them too, and be very clear and professional and just set it up for an awesome, awesome relationship where you're both on the same page. You nailed it right there. That is the most important thing is what I use my contract for. When I walk a puppy buyer through, I'm like, okay, so this is what this means. And this is what this means. And do you have any questions? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's how you protect your dogs. And that's how you ensure that they're going to give the appropriate vet care and that they understand diet is important. And do they know they need to have exercise because otherwise it's going to invalidate their health care team because so it's all built into that. And it's having those conversations. And honestly, the contract is a great way to do that. Vaccination protocols. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. All that stuff. Okay. So I think a good segue here. Kat just mentioned problems with contracts. God knows I've lived through them. Mediation services. So let's not have to go to small claims court to fight over what X, Y, or Z means. So Monica, maybe you can pitch in on this one in terms of how and why mediation services are so fabulous. Yes, exactly. So we offer your good dog complimentary mediation services to our members. And You know, I think mediation is a really powerful tool to help settle differences between parties out of court. So you can avoid this costly and time-consuming legal procedures where, you know, you're probably going to end up in a worse place than you were to start out. So we really think sometimes when you're in a dispute, when you're in a fight, it becomes really difficult to see the other party's point of view. And that makes it almost impossible to come to a resolution that both parties are going to be happy with. So you know, we are always happy to act as that unbiased party that's willing to sort of hear both sides out and try to facilitate a good outcome. And, you know, I think one thing that we also really hope for with our mediation services is that through mediation, the parties can start to really rebuild the relationship and rebuild some of that trust that they've lost. So that if and when they do hopefully decide on an outcome that works for both of them, that it's just the start of a new relationship that they can build together. It's the start of something new instead of, I think it's a very different outcome that can be reached than if you sort of had to go to court. And to toot Monica's horn, she recently had a mediation where it was just amazing. I think she was so able to communicate to both sides, the other side's point of view. And because it was coming from Monica, an unbiased, logical, kind person, The resolution was extraordinary. And what ended up happening is that the dog is going to be able to have these two people in his life who they both love him so, so much. And that's the thing. It comes back to what's good for the dogs. And dogs are so emotional that things can turn sour. But at the end of the day, if everybody can come together and do what's best for the dog and have a relationship amongst themselves that allows them to both be there and more people to love the dog. I mean, it's just wonderful. So I think it's a really great resource for breeders to take advantage of. I think it's a tremendous resource. And I mean, I said that in the outset, and I am not kidding. This is a package that dog breeders have needed for some time. And the general legal support, the lemon laws, my big thing, and when I hammer on all the time that you guys have included in this legal resource center is the wills and living wills and trusts and 
making sure that if I'm driving down the road and Kim and I are in the car together and we both die in a car wreck, that when somebody comes to my house to take care of my 10 dogs, they know what's supposed to happen. Exactly, exactly. And we've unfortunately had issues with breeders in our community where the breeder is also the co-owner. The co-owner passed away and the dog was taken to a shelter and the shelter wouldn't release the dog to the breeder because they didn't feel positively towards breeders despite the co-ownership agreement. So we were able to step in and make sure that their rights were enforced and protected. And thank goodness that the breeder had entered into a co-ownership agreement and had that to back up their rights and was able to get the dog back. An extraordinary stress, beautiful standard poodle therapy dog who is now also, they think, going to be able to breed as well. Amazing outcome for that, but scary. Super scary. And Kat, you and I have privately had the conversation about situations that happened to me personally Mm -hmm. with a dog that I co-owned. The variety of situations wound up in a shelter, got pulled by a rescue, and I never saw the dog again. And it's devastating. And I wish to hell, pardon me, that I had had the resources then that are available to breeders now. And we wish we'd been there because, again, that's not the outcome that's right for the dog. And if we can help translate and facilitate and talk to the shelters, and we have folks on our team who come from the shelter rescue world and with duty and our experts, we can kind of step in because we should want the dog to go back to the breeder. That's amazing. That's an extraordinary thing to have that breeder drive across the country and show up to that shelter and desperate to rescue that dog and take it into their home. I mean, that is an astounding, inspiring, wonderful thing that we should be applauding the breeder for doing and so happy that the dog has that home to go to. Instead of having it rejected because you are a capital B breeder. Education. Which is why we've got to work on that education. We've got to work on that advocacy. We've got to use our social media to get the facts out there and change the conversation and turn the anti-breeder sentiment. It is change the conversation. It is so important. And I am so, so grateful to Good Dog for the work that you're doing. I really, truly cannot tell you enough how important stuff like this is. And it's just one more additional resource that in many cases has not been available anywhere else. Um, We're happy. I mean, we feel grateful to be a small part of all of the good that the dog breeders that you do. I mean, I'm looking at you. You've got 13 puppies right now. You're sleeping in two hour increments. Like what (laughs) you do is extraordinary. And so we truly are just lucky to have a community to support. And we hope to grow that. And also with respect to our Legal Resource Center, please let us know if what you want to see next. We'll be expanding this constantly. We'll be adding more stuff to it. And it's going to be an ongoing thing. Tell us what you need and we'll give it to you because that's what we're committed to doing. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you all very, very much. And I look forward to seeing some of those resources available. Thank you. Thanks, Laura. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Have fun with the pups. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. 
Our dog show superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers Desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk. 